0: Uh, today's message is, was one that God really put on my heart within the last 10 days. And the title of the message is Surviving the Election. This may be one of the messages that you send out to family and friends. Uh, and I have become really burdened First of all, for our church, for the Christian community in the world, for what's going on during this period of time and what I see, uh, and the burdens that I have that I know God has for us as we see the world devolve around us. Uh, And so I really want to speak to you today about what I see in the Bible what God says to us about how we have to approach these kinds of times. And I think there is much to be learned, even as we listen to the first century church, as they dealt with the issues that they did. And so we're living now through some of the most traumatic times that we ever thought that we would face. For the most part, we're still quarantined. Uh, We are restrained in our ability to travel. We have to wear face masks pretty much in any social contact. Uh, And effectively, we all remain locked up in our homes. Um, And for many of us, our only means of social outlet is the television or the internet. And that's effectively how we are getting uh, our outside news and the contact that we have. And so we live in incredibly contentious times. There is a total lack of civility and respect, uh, especially so during this presidential cycle. Uh, and as I began to think and pray about this, God really led me to talk to a good man and his wife from our church. Uh, they will remain anonymous, but uh, they told me that it had become increasingly difficult for them to watch television. Uh, Because they love to listen to the news cycle and listen to the internet and to get all the things that they could get uh, from the internet. In fact, he said that he found himself, and this is a godly man, he found himself hurling epithets at the television. And his wife joined with him. And she was hurling epithets. And so here you have two godly people living in a house that's dedicated to the Lord. And because of the contentious times that we're living in, they're both hurling epithets at the television because of what they're hearing. Now, this cannot be how God wants us to live. You understand? This cannot be how God wants us to live. Uh, And so it's out of total frustration uh, that this man recognized this is not how a Christian should act. And so we want to speak about that today, how we approach these times. And by the way, how did you feel after you watched the last debate uh, between President Trump, Trump and Biden? Did you feel good? Was that a good experience? You watched it? You watched it. Yeah, it was, there we go. Our music minister was joining the club. So, so there it is. You watch the debate. You watch the debate. And instead of being uplifted and being educated, what you saw was, was totally aggravating, bringing you down. Many of you were even disgusted with the moderator. There was nothing good that you saw. And I had learned early on that I don't watch those things, I turn them off. Okay? I turn them off because they, I can't deliver messages inspired by the Holy Spirit if I'm dragged into the muck and mire of those kind of things. Uh, and so God wants to speak to us today. He has lessons for us today about how he wants us to approach this election, how he wants us to think, how he wants us to act as Christians. Because you realize that your role is to advance the kingdom of God. You are not political operatives, all right? You are not political operatives. God wants you to vote, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But your responsibility is to advance the kingdom of God. And if there is anything that you do that serves as an obstacle for that uh, and prohibits you from doing it, then God will find you uh, responsible. So the, the question that I have for you is now, how do you find that you spend... The, the most of your time, the majority of your time when you get up. Uh, what do you find yourself thinking about? What are the things that you think about? Uh, and, and so m- my experience is that for most of us during this period of time, we're thinking about the election. We're worried about the election. We're concerned that candidates that do not fit within our paradigm of understanding the will of God may, get, may be elected. And so that buries down on our mind. It gives us great anxiety. So I want you to see what Jesus says about these kind of issues because he spoke so eloquently about it in Matthew chapter 6 uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. If you would turn to Matthew chapter 6. And look at verses 33 to 34. This is our Lord speaking now. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I would say that's the, that should be the guidepost for your life. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't be filled with anxiety about what's going to happen in this election. I've given this election up to Jesus. Jesus is in control. And I would say this to all of you. Each and every one of you has given God and Jesus Christ control of your soul. You've trusted him for salvation. Well, if you've trusted him for salvation, do you think you can trust him for the election? because I think you can, all right, whatever his will is, whatever his will is, all right, and so I think that's an important lesson for us to do, so what is it when you get up, what's the first thing that you do uh, when you get up in the morning, is it deliberately to choose things that are going to aggravate you, do you get up and say, oh, I can't wait, I got to turn on that news, All right, and even those of us who are conservative, we even turn on Fox News, the conservative station, and yet I found even Fox News can be aggravating for people of conservative mentality. Or we can't wait to get on the internet. Let's see what kind of good things happened last night. What do the political pundits say, all right? What do they say? And you know what they say. You know what they say. It's a pack of lies, There's nothing but lies going out, really, honestly. That's what I find during this election, uh, that Satan has taken over the hearts and minds of so many people who should be really even-tempered but are not, all right? And so we see bias, heavy bias, uh, in so many ways uh, on, on the news channels, on the internet, and so for many of us, That's how we're getting our news. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it pours into our house. And we wonder why we're depressed. We wonder why we have anxiety. And so do you think this is how God wants us to live? Do you really think this is how God wants us to live? I ask you to think about the first century church. What was it like to be in that first century church where the boot of Rome The boot of Rome was all over that church, and yet there were no free elections, and yet you see Jesus saying things like this uh, and and really elevating our thoughts that God has called us to a higher paradigm. God has called us to a higher vision. So the Bible has an answer for us, uh, and it is never more poignant than now in terms of what God has for us. As Christians, we are called to put to death the deeds of the flesh turn to Romans 8, if you would, as you see what the great apostle Paul says. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. And there it is. That's how God wants us to live, by the spirit of God. Uh, not by the carnal aspects of this world. Not by, not by really what I would call the manure produced by those who hate our Lord who put it out on the news cycle, who put it out on the internet in so many ways. We are not to be conformed by listening to this garbage and being dragged down, but instead we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Turn, if you would, while you're in Romans, to Romans chapter 12. Look at verses one and two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... perfect will. That's how he wants us to live. That's how he wants to walk. That's the nature of what he's called us to do. Uh, And so this becomes important. And I would ask you, if your body is a living sacrifice, can that living sacrifice be surrounded by garbage coming into your home seven days a week, 24 hours a day? Or do you have to at some point turn it off? Do you have to limit it? You have to say, God, protect me from this. God, limit this damage that's coming into my home. And so how do we as Christians renew our minds? Well, we do it by thinking about what God commanded us to think about. And consider what Paul wrote to the Philippian church. And I guess this is during the time when the boot of Rome is all over that part of Palestine. Look at Philippians chapter four, verses eight and nine. One of the most famous passages in scripture where Paul now directs us. This is how you are to live. This is how you are to think. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard from or seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Notice what he said, thinking about them, reflecting about them, and practicing them, meaning the active uh, verb of moving, moving forward in the way that God wants us to be, not just by happenstance, but by actually doing it daily and following the words of God. So let's take this apart and unpack this. And let's take each major component and reflect on it. First, whatever is true. We are to think about these things that are true. And what is more true than anything else? God. God is true. God is truth. Our culture is filled with liars and lies. How much time and energy do we waste thinking about lies as opposed to thinking about God and his word? Just reflect on that. When you know how pure and righteous God is and how poignant that is. Secondly, whatever is honorable, he has told us to do. Many of us today uh, in our culture have forgotten the meaning of honor. respect. All you have to do is watch the debates and see how people address each other. One man is the president of the United States and somebody is telling him to shut up, all right? And you see even the, uh, the, the moderator speaking in a very disreputable tone. This is reflective of the entire society, all right? You see it yourself. I don't know about you, but I myself have found that even dear friends, who disagree with me politically, I cannot have any kind of civil discussion with them. You know that. You cannot. Why? Because immediately the hatred and the vitriol comes through. Now, let me tell you something. This is satanic. This is exactly what Satan would like to do with our culture, to rip it apart to destroy it. And he's done a very good job during this election cycle, I'm sorry to say. But we can't be partnered with it. We have to stand tall and move away from it. And we have to act in a way that shows who we are. So as Christians, we are called upon to think about things that are honorable and worthy of respect. In other words, we are to think about things which are good. uh, And we are also to do that which is honorable. I want you to turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 21. And Paul speaks at length about how we are to act with honor. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I love that passage, where you, where you act so lovingly and honorably and respectfully to someone who may despise you that in effect you put burning coals on his head. Do you understand that? They can't cope with that kind of behavior. They're not used to seeing that, and that's what God has called us to do. We want to stand tall for the cross of Christ, all right, And we cannot get down with the liars and the manure and the garbage that's out there. We have to separate ourselves and ask God to give us grace and give us wisdom. And so we are to honor God. And as we honor God, we have to honor, honor other people, even if they say things that may be hurtful, but God will make his own judgments. Don't feel that you have to go out there and correct things. God will correct them. God will stand tall. And then then in this passage, Paul says, think we have to think about whatever is just. That which is just is that which is righteous. We are to think about these things to think about that which is righteous. That's what we're supposed to do. Think about those things that are righteous. Proverbs contrasts the just with the deceitful. And if you have your Bibles, turn, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 12. And you see you see what the Bible says here uh, about this very issue. Proverbs chapter 12, verses 5 to 8. The plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood but the speech of the upright rescues them. Wicked men are overthrown and no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm. A man is praised according to his wisdom, but men with warped minds are despised. We're surrounded by men with warped minds. We're we're surrounded by people that have not committed their hearts to God. And these people are in the media, these people surround us, whether it's on television or it's on the internet, and we willingly let this, this manure into our house to contaminate us. God doesn't want you to do that. God is telling you that we have a responsibility at some point to turn these things off, to stop it, because it's not lifting you up. It's not bringing you closer to the cross If anything, it's bringing you further away from God. And then he tells us to think and reflect on whatever is pure. That which is pure is that which is uncontaminated. The words of the Lord are pure. Their words, they are like refined silver. Look, if you would, at Psalm chapter 12, verse 6. And you see this here in that that passage. Psalm 12, verse 6. And the words of the Lord are flawless like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. That's how pure the words of God are. They're pure. There's not a speckle of dirt. There's not a speckle of impropriety. Every word out of the mouth of God contained in this book is absolutely pure. Every word in the commandments and its precepts are pure and just. And so God is pure, and the utterances that he makes to us are also pure. And then Paul tells us that we are to reflect on whatever is lovely. Now, Christians are called not only to think about things that are true and good and just, but also to think about things that are lovely and beautiful. This, too, is in stark contrast to our culture, which glorifies ugliness. You know that, that if the newspapers want to get your attention, they have to put some dastardly act on the front page, all right? Or something comes across on the internet that is so evil that people are drawn to it. That's the nature of humanity. That's how people live their lives to get, their, to get your attention. But God is pure and goodness and truth. And whatever Lord our God is, is beautiful uh, and glorious. And we have to reflect on him in every possible way. Paul then tells us that we are to reflect on whatever is commendable. That which is commendable is that which is worthy of praise. God is most worthy of praise. And thus we are to think about him. But we are also to think about the commendable acts of his people, We should think about the commendable acts of this church that God has given us a church where we have a church family that loves and cares for you, that we have people that are devoting themselves to missions, that we are elevating those who are hurting. That's what you need to think about. Lift up those thoughts. Pray for those people. Have God give you inspiration about that. That's what God wants you to think about. Not the garbage that comes in via the internet or the television. All right? Really. And so Christians, frankly, this is the promise. If you think about these kinds of things, if you think about this the way God is directing you, Uh, The God of peace will be with you. You will not be filled with fear and anxiety because you will know that he's there. He holds you and he will take care of you. Christians have become such worldly people, frankly, that all we think about are the things in the world. I'm sorry to say that. That's the nature of many Christians today, all right? where they don't think about the things of God. Instead, they think about the things of man. Um, And we fill our minds with whatever is false, whatever is dishonorable, whatever is unjust, whatever is untrue, whatever is ugly. And then we wonder why we have no peace. We wonder when God has given us the very prescription to do it. We are called to set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are centered on the earth. Our thinking needs to be God-centered, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's what God has called you to do, to be that kind of example to a lost world so that you can sit there and inspire people that are lost and mired in despair. Now, many of us have taken our brains and put them on 24-7 feeds of cable news and internet news, and we keep coming back for more. It's like an addiction. We can't stop. And fear and anxiety grow and continue to grow and compel you to even go back more. You have to ask God to destroy this, this compulsion, Because inevitably, it will destroy your thinking. It will destroy your ministry. It will destroy your ability to advance the kingdom of God in this world. All of this is true. Now, let me say one more thing about the coming election. And that is this. The day after this election, God will still be in charge. You understand that? No matter who wins, God will still be in charge. It may not be the person you want. And the policies may not be what you want, but God will be in charge, just like God was in charge of Israel, even when Babylonians came in and took the Israelites out, all right? Even when the Greeks came in and, and caused the Jews to be dispersed throughout the world, God was still in charge. We don't know what the will of God is, but we bow, understanding that he is in charge, So don't think that the election at the end of the day is dependent upon you filling your mind with every piece of garbage that comes in there so that you can be a respondent, if necessary, on some issue of of the election. Remember the words of Jesus Christ when the boot of Rome sat heavy on the first century church, and Jesus said, Give unto Caesar that which is Caesar, and give unto God, that which is God. Think about that. Think about the fact that all that I've just given you all belongs to God. All the righteousness and the purity and the respect and the honor belong to God, and that your responsibility is to give it to God seven days a week, 24 hours a day. He has ordered and planned your lives from the moment you were created. And that is your responsibility. And let me say this. Yes, you have a responsibility to vote. Every single one of you has a responsibility to vote. And we know... That there is nothing more important in this election than the issue of the unborn. Can I make that any clearer? As far as I'm concerned, that is the critical issue that we have a responsibility. And someday you will face the Lord and he will want to know how you handle that issue. Yes, taxes are important. Yes, the Supreme Court is important. Yes, foreign affairs are important. But there's no issue, no issue than the immoral issue of killing the unborn. All right? And I don't care about any other issue from our perspective. That is the issue that ought to motivate how you vote. Make it, make it clear. And so somebody said to me once, one of my partners, one of my partners said to me a couple of months ago, he said, you know, you're a man of God. I don't understand. How, how can you even think about supporting someone who doesn't appear to be a godly person? And I said to this person, I said, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There is no more critical issue that we face today in this world than our responsibility to the unborn. And I don't care who it is, but if we, we are not gonna vote for a party or a person that despises the unborn. We have a responsibility to God. You understand? We have a responsibility to God. And so I want you to reflect on all this and really to to be at peace during this period of time. God remains in control. He controls this issue. And so even if the the election goes in a way that you're not happy with, you need to understand that God is at the controls. He hasn't abandoned you. He has saved you. He controls your life. He controls this world. He will not let this world spiral out of control until it's his time to come back. And frankly, more and more, I wish he came back today. I wish he came back today. Truthfully. Uh, And every day that goes by, it's almost as if you ask God, please, Lord, intervene in every possible way. And He will intervene. You understand? He will intervene. But don't think that it's your responsibility to be obsessed and filled with the filth and garbage that is contaminating your home, contaminating your mind, contaminating your spirit. And so here it is. If He's truly in charge, As we've given him our soul, then he will be in charge no matter what happens in this election. Give it up to him. Give it to him and take the rest of the month off. But don't forget to vote. Don't forget to vote. So put the phone down at some point, turn off the television, turn off your laptop and go outside and look up and see what God has created. Look at the beauty as he has given us. Look at the universe that he's given us. The sun and the stars and the planets and the mountains and the oceans, all are the gift of God. Go outside and see it and take it into your heart and recognize this is the gift of God. This is what he has created. This is truly what is pure. This is truly what is commendable. And it tells us what we are to think and reflect about. And this is his world. It was his world yesterday. It was his world today. And it will be his world tomorrow. Forever and ever and ever. He is the Alpha and the an omega. He sits outside of time. He sees the beginning and the end. And you're worried about this election. I give it to him as you should also. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for the words that you've given us, Lord. I thank you for the warning that you've given us, Father. And so, Lord, we ask that you give us the strength and the strength of our mind to focus on what you've given us, Lord. Not to be filled with fear and anxiety, but rather, Father, to focus on those things that are just and pure and honorable and righteous in every possible way and lovely and recognize the fact that you were there from the beginning of time and you saw evil constantly be infected in this church and in this world, Lord. But now we ask you to protect this church, protect our people that we will not be subject to these vicissitudes of evil that come across our mindset. Lord, protect our people, deliver them, bring them to continued strength to walk in your way, Lord, as we put all of this in Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church.